up, y'all, and welcome to the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back in action July 20th, 2020, around 4 p.m. Central Time. And it is a good week, ladies and gentlemen. It appears that we will have baseball season beginning a little later this week on Thursday. Summer camp games have been going on for the last few days. I just recently wrapped up my MLB preview division series with Chad Vaughtherine. We covered the NL West, and I've got some other exciting episodes coming up next week. Some NHL stuff, NBA stuff, and Rachel Gerhardt will join me to talk about reality TV and the lack thereof with a lot of shows getting canceled this fall. Uh, So stick around for that. That should be a lot of fun. In addition to that, just launched jackvita.com where all of the podcast episodes are available for your enjoyment. In addition to that, I've been writing some columns and I intend to create a lot of content on there. So I hope you will join me over there. But let's get into it for today, and we are going to talk about the beginning of MLB season, opening day 2020. Who would think that Jordan Morandini, by the way, joins me right now. Jordan, who would think that we would be getting going on baseball action here on July 23rd? Jack, we talked about, I think, the last time I was on. And by the way, thanks for having me. Uh, we talked about the last time we're like, as long as we get some sort of a baseball season this year, we'll end up being happy. And thank God that is finally <laughs> looking like it's going to be the case. I mean, look, we still do have a couple more days here before opening day. Um, so hopefully nothing happens from here <laughs> until then. Um, but heading into it, I mean, I couldn't be more excited to finally have some sports back on TV. I'm so excited, Jordan. I got so excited about an hour ago where I've been recently doing a lot of cleaning in my room. I'm going to tell you about my pregame tradition. Well, not really tradition, but my pregame ritual for today. Let's hear it. (laughs) I've been cleaning out my room lately, and I found a can of Mountain Dew Code Red that (laughs) said best enjoyed by a certain date, 2016. Yes. (laughs) So I put that in the fridge. So it was cold at least. And I drank that thing in about six gulps and then uh, started blasting Mad Dog Russo's high heat on the TV. You were only four years late on that mountain. (laughs) You didn't think there was any risk involved uh, potentially with drinking that? No, no, no. I, I... I did, you know, it's a it's a canned good. Ah, okay. If you want to call it a canned good. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> it, no, pop can't really go bad, but it's not go it definitely didn't taste as fresh as it would. That's why I kind of drank it real quickly. But I wanted I was getting that three o'clock feeling and I wanted a caffeine rush to uh you needed a get little extra up. boost. Yeah. The Mountain Dew yeah. Code Red, that's like a... That's something I used to drink during the gaming days where, where you get a couple cans of those and just have a long night of like Call of Duty or something. <laughs> yeah, it had been a while. I definitely had not had a Code Red since uh, I bought the rest of that box in 2016. <laughs> 2016, you might have been drinking those like before one of our intramural softball games or something (laughs) get a little extra boost heading in (laughs) yeah it was definitely i used to go i had so first of all when i transferred i had no idea how many points i was going to have on my card for my meal plan because at my former school 
my I had far less points, so I was much more conservative saving my points up. And then I got around halfway to the year, and I'm like, how am I going to spend all these points? And I would just keep buying boxes of different Mountain <laughs> Dew flavors from the corner store. Well, yeah, I mean, there's two types of people at Valpo, right? The ones that spend all of their money within the first two months of a semester. <laughs> and then the, the others who are the ones just taking every single thing out of the cafe when it comes to the end of the year. So <laughs> it sounds like you were more of the latter. I, on the other hand, definitely more of the uh, out of money about two and a half months in and then off to McDonald's about two to three times a week for the rest of the semester. <laughs> Oh, good times. Jordan, what have you been doing entertainment-wise for the last month? We spoke around early June. I guess that was a month and a half ago. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's been that long, actually. It seems like it was a week ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, for the, for the most part, Jack, I've been catching up on some Netflix shows. Um, I'm not really the type to go back and like watch a ton of old sports games, but I will say over the past couple months, I've definitely done that a little bit more than normal. Um, and then for the most part, I mean, going to the gym daily, it seems like we have more time on our hands with those sports on TV. (laughs) (laughs) So getting some extra exercise in, um, and yeah, I mean, that's pretty much been my, uh, my routine the past couple months. How about yourself? Uh, well, I'm glad you brought up the exercise. I'm doing a lot of bike riding. That's my, that's my cardio of choice. What do you, what do you do cardio wise? I walk uphill on it, like on a treadmill. I, I, will, you, I will never be running if I don't have to. Running, oh, I can't stand it. So if I have to do it, I will. But for the most part, walking uphill is my cardio of choice. Yeah, I'm the same way. I can't, I'm not a runner. So the bike riding, you can go further, you can get out of your house, and mm-hmm. you can ride. So I do these like 30 mile bike rides about like once a week. And a nice uh, old scenic view with that as well. Yeah. And then uh, maybe like three or four other days of the week, I do just like a 10 mile. Oh, so you're actually, you're putting in a lot of miles on that bike a week right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's good. It's good cardio. You get to see good scenery, go by a (laughs) lake or something, you know. No doubt about it. Yeah. Good. I mean, right. It just does. It does feel like we just have so much, a little extra time on our hands when we don't need to watch a Phillies or a Cubs game every night. <laughs> now, on the other hand, I will say I would much rather be watching a Phillies or a Cubs game than uh, hitting the gym, probably as consistently <laughs> as I have. Um, and that'll probably be coming to an end here real soon. But hey, it's been a very quote unquote productive couple of months. Absolutely. Yeah, I think the cardio that stuff has been. I'd probably still be doing that with the games going on or not, but I have replaced my typical sports with an unhealthy dosage of old reality TV shows, which I talked about last time we were here. <laughs> so you, yes, yeah, so you do dive into that type of stuff. Do you watch, are you the type to watch any old sports games? Yeah. I, during this quarantine period, I haven't really sought out. There aren't certain games that I'm like, I want to watch this game. But mm-hmm. when they when they're on, I, I flip over to them. So I saw okay. a lot around March. There's a lot of old March Madness games. Mm-hmm. I was watching that some games from the 2008 tournament, which was the year that Memphis's Derrick Rose uh, lost to Kansas, which was an unbelievable game. Yep. Uh, there have been some old baseball games. Their David Freese game was on recently. Ooh, that's that is a cla- that is a classic baseball game. Yeah. I think when that game happened, I think 
we had like a room of five, six people that were all watching that. And we were calling it one of the greatest games, if not the greatest game we'd ever seen. It was at that point, it was just downright ridiculous. Yeah, it was unbelievable. I think we've lived through that game in terms of World Series games, that game. And then obviously Game 7 2016 World Series. Those two were the real standouts from the last decade or so. Yeah, no doubt about it. Yeah, on my end, I haven't I don't specifically watch a ton, um, but I have used some time like over the past couple months to watch kind of the best years of my favorite teams. Like I went back and watched some of the 08 Phillies and kind of that era of the Phillies and the 93 Phillies, um, which obviously is a very special year for my family. (laughs) Um, And it's so awesome because the Phillies kind of, they uploaded a lot of the games from that season kind of in this quarantine time. So I was able to go back and watch a lot of those games, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then like the 2017 Jags, that was the one season for the Jags that I've kind of gotten to enjoy in my lifetime. <laughs> so that one, and then the 04 Pistons. So kind of just going back to some of the fun years for some of my favorite teams. Um, but I will say, I, yeah, I'm not the type to like randomly, you know, turn on a NBA finals game from a couple of years ago or something along those lines. <laughs> I'm not that into it, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's been fun the past couple of months for sure. So typically around this time of year, NBA TV airs their hardwood classics, Mm -hmm. and I watch a lot of those games. So whether it's Isaiah and Bird, or Mm -hmm. it's, you know, Jordan, or it's Shaq and Kobe, there's just so much rich content. And then occasionally, all of a sudden, they put in some game from like 2016 or 2017. I'm like, ah, who cares about that? I just saw that. (laughs) If it's, yeah, exactly. If it's anything regarding the Warriors or the latest LeBron series, I'll take a pass on that. Yeah. Anything excluding the 2013 finals with uh, the Ray Allen shot. Yeah, yeah. I think that's really the only. That was really the only game out of the... And I I think those finals were pretty strong as a whole. But outside of that, I mean, for the Mm -hmm. last 10 years, there haven't been that many great NBA finals games. Yeah, and I think the only other one that obviously comes to mind is what was it, the 20... The year year they came back, the the, the game seven there ended up being a really kind of classic game with the Kyrie shot, LeBron block. But yeah, I mean, now that you make that point, there really haven't, like, I, I can't, like, name a ton of them, I don't think, off the top of my head of specific, like, really standout games from those years. The one I remember is 2010, which was Lakers-Celtics Game 7, and nobody could hit any shots. And so Kobe <laughs> didn't shoot well, but he had, like, 16 boards, and he was he was in the post getting a lot of rebounds, he was dishing it. That was kind of a sloppy game, but I remember that game feeling kind of big at the time because of how many veteran guys there were in that, and it was Celtics-Lakers as well. Yeah, and it hasn't been the case where we've had kind of those classic teams in the finals as of late either, really. Um, So that could definitely be something kind of in these upcoming years with like LeBron on the Lakers and the Celtics kind of on the rise with a lot of their young guys where you see some of these prominent franchises kind of get back into really consistent contenders. Yeah, we'll see. But I do think, like, we talk about some of these recent MLB games. Those games hold up really well, even though they're only two, three years old. I think those games are just awesome watches. Well, and I think that might be the difference <laughs> between baseball and basketball, Jack, and maybe the current states of them. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, know a ton of, I know a ton of people probably wouldn't agree to that statement, just because... Uh, 
as a whole, I think people think baseball, quote unquote, is kind of on the downfall. But I will say, I think the the deep down fan base um, of baseball really, really will appreciate a lot of those great World Series games. Whereas the NBA Finals, you maybe get one or two great games in a seven game series. Jordan, I don't think that that's the majority opinion by the collective, like from America, from the world. I just think that's the collective opinion from the people who are the mainstream media. That is, that's actually, that's a, that's a great point. It, It probably is a great point. And I think it's the media as well plays such a role in that. You know, yeah, shaping the opinion. Yeah, yeah, and the people, NFL yeah. obviously is "quote unquote" on the rise and is continually rising. And a lot of that is because of fantasy football and how much you know media support obviously that gets. Um, and Jack, I mean, NBA ratings have been down the past couple seasons, but still, exactly, still the NBA gets more coverage than maybe any other league in the world. Um, so yeah, I think that I think I will agree with you there. Where I think they just choose kind of specific narratives to push. Yeah, that's something that has been talked about in great detail over my last couple of episodes. So uh, if you want to hear more about that, you can uh, go back in time and hear those episodes. In terms of watching old games, anything else come to mind for you and some of these games that you've watched? Anything stuck out that you hadn't thought a whole lot about in recent years? Um a good question i mean i've watched a lot of phillies games so some of those 93 uniforms kind of bring back memories um (laughs) that i kind of wish they would maybe bring back consistently the phillies have kind of started to rock those baby blues a little bit they do it like once a night uh or once a week um i think during the last season and maybe last two seasons but those are jerseys that like i would really like for them to to come back and and bring back full time because i love them so much um and I think maybe in terms of like the NBA side of things, looking back at like some of the, the 04 series specifically with the Pistons, it's just how different the game is now than it was yeah. 16 years ago. I mean, just completely different styles. Um, I don't, I mean, a team like that Pistons team would maybe get run off the floor just because of how many, uh, or just how different the game is now and how much better shooters guys are now. Um, so yeah, just the style of it. Well, the rules have changed the, yeah, too. Well, that that too as well. Just the style of basketball is so much different than it was, uh, you know, 10, 15 years back. Jordan, have you heard of Pluto TV? Pluto TV. There's so many different streaming options nowadays, <laughs> Jack. I think I've heard of it, but I yeah, I think I've heard of it, but I, I can't say I've looked into it. It's totally free app that gives you hundreds of free channels. Okay. It's from Viacom property, and Viacom merged with CBS back in December. So there's an NFL channel on there that just plays old NFL games all the time. And they're mainly games from the 2000s, like from around the year 2000 to 2012 or 2014. And you, as you're talking about the differences in the NBA from the 2000s to now, mm-hmm. Jordan, I... I have realized just how different the NFL looks over from really just the past five to seven years. I think the big thing for me was I was just a bigger fan when there was more, a little more defense being played back then. And now I think the fact that there's so much offense, it ruins a little bit of the spectacle of when points are scored. Yeah, I think that's fair to say. I think kind of in the same way, Jack, where we talk about the NBA where, yeah, um, there's just more, some rules in place that make it a lot easier on the offensive side of the ball. I think that's kind of the same on the football side of things. I mean, corners are getting called for pass interference. 
Um, it, it feels like a lot more often they're not maybe allowed to be as physical as they once were. Um, and I think that's, that's completely, I mean, that's pretty much the entire defensive side of the ball. There's just not necessarily the same physicality, which in a way, I mean, obviously is good for the health reasons. And, there, and there's reasons for the league is kind of taking those, uh, um, those changes, but I mean, it's a passing league now. And you look back in, you know, 2005 to 2010 and, and some of these running backs were a lot more prominent and you saw a lot more guys who were getting 30 touches in a backfield a game. Whereas now, um, you're seeing kind of two different types of backfields, one where you do have that bell cow, but not nearly as frequently. And then the other where you see kind of a pass catching back, which is being used a lot more than it probably once was. Absolutely. So it's been a lot of fun to look back at some old sports, and I'm sure we will continue to do so in the future. But the good news, it looks like we are getting some Live action sports coming back on Thursday, Major League Baseball. Jordan, there's a potential for the month of September where we could have meaningful baseball games, September baseball games being played, NHL and NBA playoff games, and then football on the weekends. Not to mention golf, tennis, NASCAR, everything else that's going on. (laughs) And that is the one kind of bright spot Jack about the whole COVID thing in the sports world side is that it could make for one of the more fun finishes to a summer and fall early fall ever (laughs) in in terms of sports. You're just going to have so many options of different things you can potentially watch. Um, And I I am so excited. Um, I'm really hoping, obviously, I know the NFL is kind of figuring out their side of things, but it looks like Jack, it looks like baseball is good to go. Um, they're having these yeah. summer games. There hasn't really been any issue with the, the COVID um, stuff there. Um, and I think the same can be said for kind of the Orlando bubble that's going on in the NBA <laughs> world. So, Jack, we're really close. And, and it's finally looking like this is really going to be um, a really fun finish to the summer. Yeah, and I think the idea that sports transcends just sports. They're, they reflect culture, and they really celebrate a lot of a lot of our country, a lot of good things, a lot, and they inspire hope to people. And I think something that when we get these sports going back, I think people are going to be so excited and so happy and so appreciative to have sports. And it's you can have these bigger than sports moments. One of the ones that comes to mind is when Big Poppy gave that speech uh, after the Boston Marathon bombing and how much it meant for him to say that in front of all the Red Sox fans. And uh, George Bush throwing out the yep. first pitch after 9-11. And now we are having our first sports after this pandemic that we've lost a lot of lives. People have lost a lot of jobs. And so this is something that's super meaningful. And I think people are going to, if they don't understand that now, they will as they watch. And that part is going to be exciting to see. Exactly. Yeah. And the another moment that kind of comes to mind is Sosa Jack running out with the flag. And then when he hits the yeah. home run, he's running around the bases with the flag as well. That's kind yeah. of an iconic moment um, that I think relates well to kind of where we're at and what could potentially happen sports wise. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be, it's going to be so nice to have sports back. And I think we do need to give a shout out to both golf and UFC as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, golf started what early June, like 
and they've had a really successful month and a month and a half. They haven't really had any issues with COVID. And Jack, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I've been paying more attention to some of these golf, <laughs> these, you know, these non-major events that I normally wouldn't, um, because it's the only sport on and it's taking kind of advantage of that, that spotlight that it's able to provide. Yeah, totally. It's a little unfortunate that baseball could not have figured this stuff out sooner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they would have had a nice month opportunity here. It sounds like the players were what Trevor Bauer was saying. A lot of these guys were like, well, the league just wants to have 60 games. They don't want to have any more than 60 games. Do you have any thoughts on just how we came to a fi- how the players and the owners finally came to an agreement? Yeah, I mean, I think from... I think from both sides, Jack, it, it was completely a money issue. I know some may say it wasn't, um, but I think they just needed to find kind of that sweet spot where if you're an owner and you're not taking a specific percentage of loss, and on the other end as a player, if you're going to play the 60 games, you want to be paid for the 60 games from whatever your salary was. Um, so they were finally able to find that sweet spot. Um, I mean, it was kind of fluctuating, wasn't it? You know, you heard 70 yeah. games, and then at one point you heard 102 games, and then got all the way down, I think, to 50 games. So I think 60 just ended up being kind of that sweet spot in terms of on the money end of where it made sense for both. Yeah, and I have one more thing I want to add just as we talk about the importance of sports. I think baseball and sports as a whole have an opportunity to really advance a lot of things in terms of reopening uh, reopening America, reopening and getting back to where we were. So we're going to start in. So the NBA is just going to play in a bubble and we'll see how that works out. And we'll compare and contrast that to what baseball is doing over the coming next couple of months. But if everything goes well with baseball, with these guys traveling from one city to another, and maybe, maybe just maybe later in the season, or maybe the NFL says, Hey, you know what? That thing's working pretty well. Maybe we can have fans and just put one in each section. We have we we have someone who's a season ticket holder who gets this awesome spot, and we're going to space them out. And maybe that turns into we put someone three rows apart from each other. And maybe there's a way that this thing can help us uh, reorient ourselves back into how we were doing things normally. Uh, of course, if the timing is right and if it works out for the best. Well, we're in such an interesting scenario because all over the country, there isn't really a specific mandated yeah. rule in terms of the masks. You know, some places you have to have them, some places you don't have to have them. Others you wear them in, but then don't have to keep them on. Um, so I think a lot of it too, Jack, with what you're mentioning fan-wise will be, you know, how do these – how able are these players um to avoid getting covid um because in the 60 game season it's going to happen there's going to be a couple guys throughout that are going to test positive um you know if a star player gets covid and misses two weeks of a 60 game season obviously that is a big big loss um and it's something i think that you know is in is inevitable um i think it's something that's going to happen kind of with the way covid is spread um, how common it seems to be according to, you know, the, the numbers going around the world. Um, so I think that will be kind of crucial too. I don't necessarily think the NBA will be a great representation of that. I think we'll get a much better idea of, you know, how able these stars are or these leagues are to avoid uh, the whole COVID issue. 
um, from the MLB. Um, and it's just going to be, Jack, it's going to be such an interesting season. 16 games for baseball alone <laughs> is going to be interesting. You yeah. add in that element. Um, you add in the no fan element. I mean, it's just going to be something that we have never seen in, Honestly, hopefully after this season, never see again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, it'll be interesting just on the NBA idea. You have someone like Zion Williamson who has an injury, and now he has to leave the bubble, but then he's going to have to come mm-hmm. back into the bubble, and it's going to be really interesting to see how that works uh, and how successful that is, and you compare it to something like baseball where they are going to be moving around and not entirely quarantined to one location. Yeah, I mean, the NBA is in such an interesting spot because they literally (laughs) have a hotline where players can report other players if they leave the bubble. (laughs) (laughs) I saw Chris Paul was getting some flack because supposedly there had been a couple reports of guys leaving and everybody was blaming Chris Paul. (laughs) He's known as like a snitch of the league because he always talks about it. He's always, you know, egging on refs and and such. Uh, So I thought that was kind of a funny little note. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, the, the bubble is <laughs> weird in itself. Can you imagine? I mean, it's like these guys are on a college campus again and just <laughs> not able to leave their dorm rooms. The, some of them are streaming video games. Others I've seen, there's been some guys shotgunning beers, like on a casual <laughs> Tuesday. I mean, it's just, a, it's just something that, oh, I mean, we've never seen in terms of the sports world. You know, um, that actually sounds kind of fun now. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure some guys are enjoying it. Probably the younger guys, I would imagine. Are yeah, enjoying. who are the most social guys, you think, in the NBA? <sighs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's I, – I, I really don't even know. So, I, yeah. I mean, it's not really the stars, I don't think, either. No. The ones that have been shotgunning beers have been, like, the J.J. Reddicks and <laughs> the Myers Leonards of the world. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. I mean – it's just such a weird scenario there. <laughs> well, in baseball, we found out earlier this week, and the Canadian government was threatening the Blue Jays earlier. They said, you are not going to be able to play games here. And they ruled and said, you cannot play games here in Toronto. And it makes some sense just because it's going to be so weird to have guys going in and out of their country in order to play. And that's why having a Canadian team, having to go through customs every time people travel uh, to play there or travel back home there, it's always just something that's a little complicated. I know your dad played in Toronto for a little bit, so he could probably uh, testify to that a little better. <laughs> than I can. To that. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I actually lived in Toronto for a year of my life, Jack. Yeah. Yep, right outside the uh, right outside the stadium. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, it is a really weird scenario. Do they have it? I don't think there's a resolution yet of where they're going to play their games yet. Is there? I mean, the season starts Friday. Well, I'm sure that they had stuff in motion for a little while because they knew that mm-hmm. this might not happen. So there were spring training complex is in Dunedin, Florida, which I've been to before. However, mm-hmm. people are a little concerned about Florida as a whole. Um, and so I'm also hearing that Buffalo, they could play at a stadium in Buffalo, uh, which is probably occupied by an independent or a minor league team. They can imagine they get imagine they get Bills Mafia behind. Them. Oh man, <laughs> that can become an, an actual weapon for them. <laughs> I think it could be really cool because we've been talking about 
expansion for a little while and yep. what are good homes and that's a great opportunity for buffalo obviously they wouldn't be able to go to the games but yeah maybe they get some good tv ratings and you get some people jumping in on that well yeah because you think buffalo fans are probably who yankee yeah. and mets fans probably yep. um so yeah maybe you get a couple of them to jump ship uh just to watch those games consistently but yeah, I mean, Bills Mafia is definitely one. <laughs> that's a fun. That is a fun fan base, especially with a young team like Toronto. That's a fun, nice little combination <laughs> there potentially. And I'm also hearing that there could be something that they work out with the Detroit Tigers because have you have you been up to Detroit before, Jordan? I have. Yep. I mean, moment like very like for very short periods of time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've like went up. I went up to the palace one time for a Pistons game, but then ended up driving back essentially that day. So here and there, but not like to where I've seen like the entire uh, city or area. Downtown Detroit is right across from Canada. It's very very close, and so they could. I've heard they could potentially split Comerica Park with the Tigers, which I don't entirely know how that would work. Uh, you'd have to get some type of schedule. Are you going to change yeah. everyone's schedule all of a sudden? I, I don't know. It seems like it'd be a little easier to occupy a minor league park. And I also heard maybe one of the m- bigger, more developed minor league AAA affiliate teams and their parks could be the host so one of the names i heard thrown out there today was uh where the charlotte knights play uh the white Sox affiliate in AAA. so that's another potential home in charlotte north carolina yeah and i've actually been to that specific stadium and it's in a really nice area too right downtown um you get a really nice actually really nice view of the city kind of in the backdrop um so if that ends up being the case that there's a chance like i mean fans they won't be in the stadium obviously um but you could probably be able to see some of the action from outside the stadium so that would kind of be a really cool place to play yeah it would be that would be pretty cool to see so that's the latest on the blue jays we have some players opting to not play this season nick markakis david price uh, and really a big loss for the White Sox, Michael Kopech. And is, was Kopech specifically COVID-related, Jack, or does it still have to deal with the Tommy John he had last season? I heard there was a combination of Tommy John, COVID, and anxiety brought on from... I saw, yeah, I, yeah. I saw a report on that. But yeah, I mean, that's obvious. This is a year where you were hoping he'd be back from Tommy John and you'd kind of see... Um, some growth on that end. I mean, he was, he, he was, when he pitched those couple major league games before getting time, I mean, he was nasty. Yeah. <laughs> He's a big time prospect. So yeah, that is a major loss for a White Sox team that Jack, to be quite honest with you, in a 60 game season, who knows? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about that too. I'm like, so I'm trying to think, and we could talk about this here now, but uh, mm-hmm. the White Sox 60 games, they could really get going, but I, I just, I, I want to pick them as a as a playoff team just because I really think there is that potential for them. 60 games. I mentioned to you earlier, last year, Seattle Mariners led the AL West for the first 60 games of the season, 38 <laughs> and 22, and they ended up with one of the worst records in the American League. So really anything could happen in the in baseball this year and I think a team like the White Sox could be one of those teams that makes a run but losing Kopech 
and for a pitching staff that already has some question marks, I don't, I don't really, I'm not really sure I can see it for them quite. I wouldn't put my money on it, but they definitely have the potential to make a, make a nice run here. Yeah. I think with Kopech, they would have been maybe a, uh, a common choice or like yeah. one of those, you know, sleeper teams that could maybe make a run in a short season like this, but you lose a big time arm at the, your front of your rotation like that. Um, which, which you mentioned kind of is already a little bit of a shaky uh, rotation as it is. Not nearly as sexy of a pick as they once were. <laughs> yeah. Anyone else uh, who has opted out not to play this year that you think is going to be, that could be uh, really a missing link that a team could really use? Because I think Markakis with the Braves, as much as I like the Braves, he was just such a really great veteran leader and everyone loves him. Uh that that's that's not going to help the Braves this year. Yeah, it definitely won't help them, but uh they got a lot of over talent. time yeah. and I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, still a lot of talent and let's let's not act like that outfield isn't loaded to begin <laughs> with. Um and actually Jack, I, I just saw they Yasiel Puig out in terms of signing with the Braves after positive COVID nineteen test. Wow. So the deal was contingent on Puig testing negative and poor Yasiel did not. Oh my gosh! Oh, that, I mean, I hope he's okay to begin. But oh, that I mean, that is that not classic Yasiel Puig? <laughs> I was I oh, was wanting Yossiel. to make some type of joke, and I, I was yeah. trying to be sensitive of it. I'm glad you did it because I was yeah, thinking sorry. along the same lines. And again, I, 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 it looks like he isn't really showing symptoms from what they can tell. So hopefully everything's okay there. Um, but yeah, I mean, they were going to sign him, and I, I mean, I texted our Phillies channel. You got to be kidding me! This loaded outfield already is adding a Yasiel Puig type. They'd already added Ozuna this offseason, so it was like, wow, um, there's some scary bats that they're adding there. But yeah, it looks like Yasiel is not officially with the Braves just yet. But yeah, when to your Marquez's point, I do think he's a he's a decent loss, but I do think he was on the downfall. And along with that, they do have extra pieces yeah. kind of in that outfield that can fill pretty easily. They do have a lot of guys. Anyone else that we haven't talked about? I'm looking at the list. Um, Mike Leak is opting out. Um, I'm trying to look to see if there's anybody. Uh, Zimmerman for the Nats is out. Yeah. Which is, you know, not a huge loss in terms of production. Um, but, you know, can be kind of a veteran type guy. Ian Desmond. Yeah. King he was the Felix. first one. Yeah, King Felix, who I don't know if he was even going to make the Braves rotation. Um, oh, and Buster Posey. Oh, yes. Wow, yeah, so that's I forgot. A, I mean, Posey's yeah. a big one. I, yeah. yeah. So, there, I mean, there's been some prominent guys who have decided against it. Um, and some of them, for reasons like they're having, you know, their wife's having a kid or something along those lines, which is perfectly understandable. Yeah. Um, but, you know, for the most part, it seems like the majority are opting in and we're set for a, a season filled with the majority of the stars of the league. Okay, Jordan, so we've been previewing this season now for almost six months. <laughs> We're finally <laughs> feels like, here. Feels like it, Jack. <laughs> so let's share my picks. You share your picks, and let's see if we want to revise any of these. So going back to the AL East, you, I would assume, had the Yankees. Is that correct? I do have the Yankees winning it, yep. And I had the Tampa Bay Rays. Yes. Yes, you did. I really think either team could win it. Yeah, and I think, I think that makes sense there. Um, I mean, Tam- Tampa is you know quietly a pretty loaded roster. Um, really good pen, 
good top end arms. Um, pretty consistent lineup throughout. Um, but with the Yanks, for me, I just think the lineup's too powerful. I also think they kind of got a nice little advantage with the late start to the season. So some of those guys who were hurt in March and April are back. Um, you know, the Stantons of the world. Um, so I do think as a whole, I, I like the Yanks lineup a lot better. I will say I would probably give the edge in terms of uh, back end bullpen to the Rays. But, I mean, you still have a role this there with the Yanks as well. I think in terms of rotations, Jack, I think they're pretty similar. Would you agree? I think the Rays is better. Okay. I think Garrett Cole's the best arm of the two teams, though. And yeah. So, yeah, I guess that it could be made that, you know, maybe the Rays is deeper. Um, but I think having an arm like Cole at the top, and I mean Paxton there as well, they have a nice little one-two with Tanaka and then three. Um, so, yeah, I think that's fair. But I will agree with you. I think both could win the division. They're both okay. very talented teams. So 60 games does not change your view of this division at all? I don't think so, no. I, I'm still sticking with the Yanks. Yeah, I'm going to stick with the Rays. I feel like the Rays are going to be the team that I'm most excited to see how they're going to use the 60-game thing. Are they going to have bullpen guys throw extra innings? Are they going to... I? They're such a clever team. The Rays and the Oakland A's are the two teams that are always thinking outside the box. And give them credit where credit's due. They're going to try to do some stuff to try to maximize on this 60-game window and think in ways that I think a lot of other teams may not have come up with. So that's something that I'm excited to see. Yeah, and I mean, they're always, and they, I mean, especially, you know, the past decade, they were always known as a really, really smart organization. They have really, really smart people in their front office. So I would probably expect them to kind of be the ones to create some of these trends we may see during this season. Okay, AL Central. I had the Twins. I have the Twins as well. Okay, so 60 games. Does that change the way you look at this division? Not at the top. Um, I think I still have the Twins winning this division, but I will say, Jack, uh, I didn't. I don't love Cleveland's roster really, um, but I do kind of like their staff. And I will say, in a sixty-game season, I think managerial decisions can become a lot more important when every game matters the way it will. Yeah. I think I, I'm going to have Cleveland as one of my wild card teams. I don't know if we were breaking those down, but I will say I probably wouldn't have had them if it was an 162 game season. <laughs> but with the 60 game season, I think Terry Frank. I've said it on this podcast probably the last three years. I think he's the best manager in baseball. Um, I like I Cleveland to sneak their way into the postseason in this shortened season. Okay, I think 60 makes a big difference in this division. Maybe not in terms of outcome. I, I think I'd still roll with the Twins, but I think it's going to be a lot closer in 60 games than it would be in 162. I think the Twins could have an opportunity over the course of a, a full season to build more separation between them and the White Sox and the Indians. I really think we that's going to be of these divisions. If you're looking for a three-team race, you might get it in this division. I think... All, I would not be surprised if all three of those teams were like a game in between each other. Yeah, I think that's understandable. Where do you see the, the division winner at in terms of win-wise? Ooh, okay. So it's interesting because you have to think about 
win totals and you have to think about 60 games you have to think about what their competition looks like Mm -hmm. and this division previously we would say okay so here's the thing the twins are going to get to play the royals the tigers and then they're going to get to play all these other teams in the american league yep well now they have to play the nl central which is no which we both know is no walk in the park yeah i could see this being like 34 and 26 winning the division. I was going to say 33 actually. Like I, I yeah, I, I like I, I yeah, I, I I'm kind of with you where and that's kind of why I have Cleveland kind of sneaking in. Um I think it'll be extremely close at the top. Um and along with that, I was kind of taking that into account too playing the NL Central. It just brings a whole different as, uh, aspect into it whereas, you know, some of these teams get to play we're not sure how you view maybe the NL West or maybe how you view the NL East, but some of these other American League teams, I like the aspect of Minnesota kind of hanging on, but I think you know anywhere from thirty three to thirty five wins, and I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Cleveland gets in it with with thirty four. I think it'll be that close. All right, AL West. We previewed the AL West with Anthony Franz. That feels so long ago now. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And I picked the Oakland A's, and you picked the Houston Astros. What I think the Astros now, nobody seems to remember. It's like they're off the hook right now for everything that they did. That's no longer a headline going into this season. Yeah, and every game is more important. So maybe their guys avoid a few beanballs than they would have <laughs> yeah. in a full 162-game yeah. season. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, doesn't it seem like that? Nobody's talking about. It. I mean, Bauer. To be fair, Trevor Bauer is wearing a, an Astros cheater shirt in the <laughs> in the clubhouse, uh, the first media day. Um, but it does seem like there's a lot less talk about it than there was, you know, heading into the season in March and April. Yeah. So I think you're still with the Astros, right? Yeah, and I mean, I don't view the rest of this division as like really any other elite teams. I think you may be higher on Oakland than I am. I, I don't know. I, I've never really been a big Oakland guy. I know they quietly seem to produce year in, year out. Hard for me to kind of buy in, um, especially in kind of a shorter game season where I kind of like the top of the rotation but don't know the depth there. Um, so, I, yeah, I have Houston making the postseason, and then that is it from this division. I want to pull up. I'm curious to find last year. Where they were at the, after 60 games. Yeah, yeah. let's see. So 60 games would be late May, I would think. Let's say May 30th. Yeah. Give or take. Also, I I butchered that stat on Seattle. They uh, came apart sooner than 60 games. I thought it was... It must have been through like 30 games they were in first place. (laughs) (laughs) But through 57 games, Houston, 37 and 20 last year in first place. Seven games up on the A's. Interesting. Is there a way we could see a team like Texas or the Angels squeaking in there through these 60 games? You have to wonder if maybe the Angels could get hot, don't you? You know, at the top of that lineup, you know, maybe Trout has an absolute MVP type month and Owade Anthony Rendon does exactly the same thing. (laughs) And maybe they're able to get hot enough. Um, I mean, obviously, there's big questions on their rotation. Um, But I mean, a 16 season, anything can happen. I'm telling you, we're going to see somewhere in baseball a 
quote unquote bad baseball team get in the postseason this year. I think <laughs> I think that's very possible. I really do. <laughs> a team that nobody thinks is going to make it is going to be thirty five and twenty five through sixty games where they would have ended up games under five hundred, fifteen games under five hundred, but somehow, some way they get hot to open up the year. I just see it happening, Jack. Yeah, I think I I I think that probably is going to happen somewhere, but we want to, it's hard for us to pick out that team because we still want to pick out the teams that we think are the best. And then we're naturally based on all the evidence we have are going to fare the best over 60 games. And again, it shows how 60 games is so weird that we could get an outcome that we were not expecting at all. Mm -hmm. So we both have Houston in this division, correct? Well, I, here's the thing. What I'm, I'm just thinking about the A's. What they've done is they've had great second halves and they've been slow coming out of the gate. So it's going to be interesting to see a team that typically comes out of the gate slow. Is it, hey, now they play, are they, is it that they're better in the summertime? Because it could go either way. It could go, they play their best baseball from June through August or July through September. That could be one way you look at it, or it could be the fact that, yeah, they, they just Start come slow, out of the yeah. gate. Takes, yeah, mm-hmm. so who knows? But I do like the A's. I think both these teams are going to be in the playoffs, but I think I probably, at this time, switch my pick to the Astros in the AL West, uh, which is unfortunate because I was anticipating a wild card game between the Yanks and the Astros. <laughs> which would have been extremely fun by the way yeah <laughs> okay so you let's see so you have them so you have two teams from that division do you have two teams from the al east then yeah i got the yanks in there okay you the have yanks card. into got it got it got it okay i didn't mention this while we were going through the east but i'm gonna pick one of those teams that maybe gets hot <laughs> <laughs> one of us has to do it right okay i think the young energetic Toronto Blue Jays sneak into the postseason in that second playoffs, that second wild card slot. So I have (laughs) them in Cleveland um, as my two wild card teams, Tampa Bay and Boston kind of both just miss. Wow. Let's have some fun. Let's have some fun. (laughs) I'm big. I mean, I'm big on a lot of those young guys. I'm big on Biggio. I'm big on Vlad and I'm big on uh, uh, Bichette. Um, And I, I, I think the lineup apart from those three guys is deep enough to be consistent throughout this 60 game season. Am I huge on the rotation? No, but Jack, it's a 60 game season. I think somebody's going to sneak in and who else, but the young, exciting, fun to watch Toronto blue Jays. All right. I like the pick. It's a fun pick. It is a fun one. <laughs> Will it okay. be correct? Probably not. <laughs> we'll run well, with it. Will any of these picks be well, correct? Well, yeah, that's the, Probably that's the question. Not. Yeah, you don't know. <laughs> you truly do not know. Okay, National League. We had the Braves winning the East, and yes. I'm not changing that. I'm sticking with that as well. I think top to bottom, the lineup's one of the best in the NL. Um, the rotation's good enough. The pen's good. I mean, they're a pretty complete team. I think they're the best club in this division. Yeah. NL Central, we both had the Cardinals. Now, this is one where I feel like (laughs) this one could really change, I think. I I think this is, Jack, this is the toughest division for me to pick a winner in. Uh, 
because I think I think when we were looking at the over unders on the the central podcast, I think in terms of the closest from top to bottom, this was I mean all at least the top four teams were very very close in terms of over unders on their win totals. Yeah, um, I'm gonna stick with the Cardinals here, but this is a two division or this is a two team uh, division in terms of postseason, in my opinion. Okay. Jordan, I think there are four different tiers of teams in the National League. He's he's bringing it out. (laughs) Jack, where did you get this idea from? I just, I thought about it. I was just like, I was, I was thinking about what I wanted to say on this podcast. And I was thinking about how, how you could kind of group these teams into different categories. Uh, I think you have four clear teams at the top, the division favorites, which are the Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers. And then the defending champs, because you can't take the crown away from the defending champs. So those are your top four teams, right? Fair, yeah. Then the next group is the group of teams that, going through my thinking about this over the last five months, who do I want to pick for the playoffs? And I came up with four teams, and there's only two spots. Which, by the way, I have goofed it up. And misspoken on my last couple episodes saying that we were going to have expanded playoffs this year. That's incorrect. We're having our regular 10 teams in. Uh, But for those two wildcard spots, there are four teams that I really could see sliding in there. And obviously, it's, it's even more open than that. But I think there are four teams at the top that would be my favorites for those spots. That would be who we talked about earlier, the Phillies the Brewers, the Diamondbacks, and the Reds. Mm-hmm. Then you have the next group of teams, and these are the teams that are just outside of that bunch who have the potential to make the playoffs. They're talented. They've either taken steps backward over the last couple of years or they're they're hoping to turn the corner now. And in one case, maybe they're just stuck in mediocrity with a high floor uh, but a very low ceiling, and that would be the Mets, the Cubs, the Rockies, and the Padres. Yes, yep. And then finally, you have, I think, really three teams that are clearly rebuilding this year, and that would be the Pirates, the Giants, and the Marlins. Yeah, I think that, I think that those are pretty fairly assessed. I might move a team or two here in, in terms of tiers, but I think for the most part, it's it's pretty accurate. Yeah, and obviously, it's the National League, and these teams could really fluctuate. Like, of course, yeah. <laughs> but, of course. So, really, there are four teams I like for two spots. It's the Brewers, the Reds, the Phillies, and the Diamondbacks. Do you have? I'm because I'm assuming you have the Dodgers out west. Do you yep. have anyone other than those four teams in your wild card? Uh, the Phillies are one of my wild card teams. I think it ends up being tight between them, Washington, and maybe even the Mets. Uh, but I think the Phillies edge them out by a game or two. Um, and then I have the Reds as my other wild card team. Jack, we talked about it on the first podcast, the NL Central podcast. The Reds season, we both think, I think is either going to go one of two ways. Um, <laughs> This is an extremely talented lineup, and now all of a sudden the staff is kind of formidable as well. Um, I think it's good enough. I mean, in, in 60 games, we mentioned anything can happen. I like 
the idea of this team kind of coming together, finally getting kind of over that hump um, and not necessarily having the 162 games could be an advantage here if the Reds yeah. really get off to a hot start. Um, it's not necessarily a hot start you have to maintain for that long to kind of you know be able to gather close to enough wins for a playoff spot. So I think the Reds are able to secure the second wild card spot. Um, and if I had to, I mean, Jack, how many wins are these wild card teams really going to have in this season? You know, you have to wonder, like, do they need 31 wins? Is that the second spot? Is 30 wins the second spot? Um, so really, maybe this Reds team doesn't even catch absolute fire, but um, you know, they get into that second spot with, you know, 32 wins. 32 seems a little high. maybe 32. Is no, I was going to say low cuz that's oh, really? 30. Uh, yeah, I mean yeah, you, I mean you don't know, right? Yeah. <laughs> we don't yeah. know how many team how many wins. Um I just expect the central to be extremely close. I don't really think I don't think like I have the cards winning. I don't think they win it with over 30, you know, 36 37 games either. I think it's I think that's another division kind of like the way I was talking about or the way we were talking about. Yeah, the uh, AL Central. Yeah. Or wait. Yeah, yeah, AL Central. Yeah, where it's just a tight. It's a battle. <laughs> it's a bloodbath. <laughs> There's no two ways about it. It's a bloodbath. Okay, I'm going to go in a different direction than you are going in. Okay, I am going to take the Cardinals out because so they missed the postseason. They missed the postseason. Wow. Okay. Actually, maybe maybe they make it. We'll see. Okay. We'll see. I'm gonna go with the Milwaukee Brewers as the division champs. I like it. This is just Craig Council, the way that he's managed his team. If you want to look at managing and scrappiness from uh, the old skipper, Craig Council has done as good a job as anyone in baseball for the last two years. And you look back to last year when they lose Yelich with two or three weeks left and everyone just thought they were dead in the water. And they end up going on a little run there. They play that wild card game, and they're leading for much of that game. I think that there's a good chance, if it weren't for that error and for some of those uh, blunders late in that game, that they could be the team that goes on the run and beats the Dodgers. Now, maybe they don't go all the way, and I don't think they're winning the World Series like the Nationals did. Mm -hmm. But they were in the mix last year, and I think we often overlook them. And I think they're always kind of a fun roster too, right? When you have a guy like Yelich, I mean, that's that's must much much must watch <laughs> TV every time Christian Yelich is on a baseball field. Uh, so yeah, I mean, like I said, this division's so tight. Would we be shocked if any of these four teams, minus the Pirates, won this division? Maybe you would be a little shocked if the Cubs won it, but I I would be surprised. <laughs> I wouldn't say shocked, but I would be surprised. And I was watching them last night, and I was just looking at the lineup, and I'm just like, they haven't figured out some of these, <laughs> like, some of these question marks. <laughs> yeah, and it just doesn't. I do think that they playing 60 games could be good for them. Like it's going to benefit them rather than hurt that. Well. I mean, Jack, let me ask you this. And we might as well make one quick Cubs comment. Yeah. Um, is there any NL team that benefits more from the designated hitter than the Chicago Cubs in the NL? I, I don't think so. <laughs> and it's not even the fact that you get Kyle Schwarber's bat in that lineup every day. It's the fact that you're putting 
anyone else out there in left field. <laughs> well, then I see them trotting out Ian Happ in center field last night, and I'm just like, what is going on here? That's not, I, that's not bringing your uh, your confidence in the, the, <laughs> the ability of your defensive outfield out there. <laughs> I mean, I think, look, I think the Cubs benefit. I mean, Schwarber had a great, in my opinion, a great season with the bat last year um, in terms of kind of expectations heading in. 38 bombs, uh, what, 90-plus RBIs, even, uh, well, even even hit for a 250. I mean, you the one knock, or at least my biggest knock on him was, one, didn't hit for average at all, got that to 250, and two, I mean, he's just not a good defensive player. Sure. So the fact that, yeah, the fact that you can yeah. have him in your lineup every day as a DH, I think, I think the Cubs will benefit as much from having the DH as the majority of other NL teams. And if you look at his splits, we're pressed for time today, but if you want to look up his splits, maybe I'll reveal this in our next episode that we do together, Jordan. His splits as a DH versus playing the field, it's a significant difference. He's a lot better as a DH. So I think you're bringing <laughs> do you think up... It's some a, real... Do you think it's a mental game there, Jack? I mean, <laughs> the, the, the guy was a catcher. Yeah. <laughs> he was a catcher his whole life, and then he gets up to the bigs and they say, hey, play left play field left now. Play left field. <laughs> Put him, put him on an island out there. <laughs> <laughs> Try and figure it out. Hey, it, it could be a mental game there. And hey, maybe it's kind of what unlocks the true potential of Schwarber at the plate. So we'll have to see this season. Yeah, but you're bringing up some good points. I would say one other thing, Cubs related. Would you rather have Joe Madden or David Ross managing a 60-game season? Joe Madden, no question. Yeah, about. yeah no, it feels about. like if they had known, hey, you're only going to have 60 games this next year, it feels like prime Madden territory. Well, yeah, he's one of those guys who can do some creative things that, you know, in 162. Like his style is yeah. going to work even better in a 60-game exactly. season than a 162. That's that kind of where I was going. In a 162-game season, some of the stuff can get annoying that he does, but maybe in a 60-game season, it's things that can benefit for short periods of time. Yeah, it'll be interesting. Another thing is I don't think you're going to want to do as much platoon stuff this season. I think when you play 60 games, you just got to figure out your best nine guys and just go for it. Because when you play 162, you say, hey, we we look at these numbers, and over the course of 162, they average out to this many wins and this many runs, and it works out. But we might have like a batting title champ bat 400 this year. 60 games is a short right. season. You can get, yeah, you can get really hot. And Jack, quick note, um, the same thing in kind of that 60-game season and putting your best nine out there, you might rush some prospects. You know, some prospects that maybe in a standard season wouldn't get there. I'm not sure what the service time, you know, that whole service thing looks like this season, <laughs> but maybe it's five or seven games that they have to miss. Yeah. <laughs> and then for the final 53 games, those guys that, you know, those top prospects are able to get some ABs this year with the DH is, I mean, there's a lot of opportunity here to use your best players um, to potentially go on a run. And I think we see some interesting, some interesting routes teams will take um, in terms of strategy this year. So I'm going Brewers for the NL Central. And for the wild card, I'm going Diamondbacks as one of the wild card teams. I talked about them a couple days ago with Chad uh, when we previewed the NL West. And I don't think this team's getting a whole lot of love, but they won 85, 86 games last year. And they plug Bumgarner in, the best postseason pitcher of mm-hmm. the last decade, still only around 31, 32. You look at their one, two, three. Robbie Ray, Zach Gallen last year had a really good year. 
I think there's a lot of potential for the Diamondbacks to be that team that gets hot, uh, similarly to what the Nationals did last year. Yeah, I think they're, they're actually a pretty nice sleeper pick, and I, I'd have them finishing second in this division. Um, obviously, San Francisco's not going to be uh, very good. San Diego's going to be fun, I think. They yeah. can be fun with some of the guys they have on their roster. Um, but yeah, I think Arizona finishes second in this division. I just have Cincy and the Phils finishing a little bit ahead of them for those two wild card spots. So then I have a tough spot here with my second wild card because I initially picked the Phillies as a wild card. And then I've got the Reds and I've got the Cardinals. And it it's like, <laughs> do I just flip three different coins and figure it out? Because, I mean, that might be what it That's comes actually, down to. It's funny season. because I have all three of those teams in the postseason. <laughs> <laughs> so one of us is going to... I like this, though. We're kind of split apart here. We're standardly, you know, for the majority, we have consistent yeah. picks. So I think the Reds have the highest upside of those three teams. But... The Reds have started slow the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. So the Reds are really probably the biggest wild card, not in terms of wild card winner, but they are probably the biggest mystery out of that bunch. I would agree. So what does that mean, Jack? Are you rolling with the- <laughs> Are you rolling with the mystery? Well, let's think. So NL East, you got a lot of games with the AL East, right? Mm-hmm. I think that that's probably more win totals than the AL Central. Uh, so more win the AL. Yeah, East what do you think? What do you think is wins. a more favorable schedule? Playing which of those divisions? Oh, I think no doubt playing the AL Central is it more favorable. Because okay, so you have Royals and Tigers, and, and, then, and you know the Sox are still kind of a question mark. Like yeah. they're, they're a fun team to pick and kind of could make a run, but they're still kind of. A, I mean, there's a lot of young guys on that roster still. Yeah, but I could say the same thing about the Blue Jays. True. Because I'm not as as fun as the Blue Jays are. I don't think that they're making the playoffs this year. They could. Anyone mm-hmm. could this year. Oh, yeah, that's fair. Orioles. I, I, think, I think the difference maybe, Jack, is in the elites. Of, like the, I think the Yankees are the best team of these two divisions. Yeah. And I think a lot of people would probably have Boston and Tampa in kind of that same level as Minnesota and Cleveland. People like Boston that much this year? Uh, the over/unders kind of scream that way. Yeah, it's kind of surprising. Yeah, the I, sales I, gone this whole year, and they just traded off their best player. Yeah, I don't know. They, they really their rotation's really not that great either. Yeah, I guess I I'd know. say I would rather I would rather play the Mets, the Marlins, and the Orioles and Blue Jays as the bottom four than play whatever you're looking at as number two in terms of that. Cause you have four, four tough teams. And while I'm not as high on the Cubs, I do think the Cubs are going to give you a tougher game than the Mets will. Mm-hmm. But the Mets and Mets don't have center guard this year either. True. So I think I'm going to go with the Phillies just I like based. It. On, yeah. I think the <laughs> schedule is a little more favorable. So that would mean only one NL central team, which is, not how I was expecting for this whole thing to go, but... <laughs> well, I think the key here, too, along with that is, I think, like we mentioned, we kind of expect the NL Central to beat up on themselves a little yeah. bit. Like, a lot of these teams are going to beat up on each other, whereas... And look, neither of us are high on Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh's better than the Marlins. I think we would... Would you agree there? Yeah, and you know what? Pittsburgh is another team that 
typically doesn't fall off until later in the season. They normally yeah, so, start pretty strong. Yeah, so maybe, you know, maybe Pittsburgh wins 25, 25 yeah. games. Um, yeah. And if, I mean, if your last place in the division team has 25 wins, that kind of caps the amount that that leader will have, essentially. You would think it would. Yeah. Um, so I think the NL Central has the ability to beat up on each other a little bit more than maybe the East where you get the Phils or, or sorry, you get the Marlins. And then you know, I'm not big on the Mets either. And especially without a cinder guard. So like that one, two, three punch yeah. in, in the rotation is not going to be there. DeGrom's going to be fantastic, but Stroman wasn't very good after he got to the Mets last they year. So there are Zach that, Wheeler. Yeah. I think there's some, and the Phils gained Zach. I think there's yeah. just some, there's some question marks with the Mets. I'm not very big on the Mets this year. So I think those two bottom tier teams, um, you know, the, this NL Central just, I think the top tiers, they have four teams that can potentially make the postseason. Nobody would be surprised. We haven't even made mention to the Nationals. I think we just sort of agreed when we talked about the NL East way back when. Be, yeah, I think they'll be good. Yeah, they're going to be in the good. mix yeah. there. Yeah, but just not good. Yeah, I think I think they'll be good, just not good enough. I mean, in, in a 60-game season, Good could end up being a postseason run, you know. <laughs> yeah, I just say like you don't want to be championship hungover in a sixty-game season because you start out with like, oh, you know, we're just kind of having fun and things are starting slowly here. Yeah, and you lose a you lose a rundown. Yeah, you can't start the season the way you did last year. You have nope. to get going from the go. But hey, maybe the fact that maybe the fact that it is a shortened season. Maybe that gives them a little more of a more wind in their sail going into the season. Look, Jack, in a 162 game season, you know the the random April ace start isn't necessarily important. Three times a week, they're going to be sending out Scherzer, Strasburg, and Cor- Corbin in a 60 game season. So, <laughs> if those guys all have good years, I mean, the Nats are going to be right there, probably. So. You never know. You really don't know. And I think we both expect them to kind of be right in the mix um, come playoff time. Is there any team that we haven't made mention to yet that you think 60 games could really, really swing things for them that they would not perform in a 162, but you make it 60 games and all of a sudden you're much more concerned about them? Uh, I mean... To me, the Padres are kind of like the Blue Jays yeah. of, um, <laughs> in the AL, uh, where another really young roster, but, I mean, these young guys are really good. Um, you know, you have the Fernando Tatis, you know, Tommy Pham's there, Hosmer's there, and the Jerickson Profar, who was a very, very high-rated prospect a couple of years back. And then, Jack, did you even remember Manny Machado? Was on the <laughs> oh, yeah, we talked all about Machado <laughs> uh, yeah. and Hosmer. Yeah, I know, right? I know, I know. <laughs> Um, but that's the type of team, you know, you have a paddock at the top of the rotation. I think that in a 60 game season could maybe make quietly make a run. Well, actually, if they were making a run, it wouldn't be quiet whatsoever. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, if I was going to pick an NL team that probably nobody thinks is going to make the postseason that could make a run, they, they would be the one. Yeah, that makes sense. So to recap, American League playoffs, I have Rays, Twins, Astros, Yanks and A's. I have Yanks, Twins, Strohs, and then Cleveland and Toronto. Okay, okay. So we differ on a couple teams there. That's good. Yep. National League, Braves, Brewers, Dodgers, Phillies, and Diamondbacks. Braves, Cards, Dodgers, Phillies, and Reds. 
So we okay. differ on two there as well. Jordan, who's playing in that World Series come October? Um, let's see. 60 game season. It's a great question, Jack. I think the Yanks are. I have them in the coming out of the American League as well. You do? Okay. Yes. And God, it, with with Mookie Betts, it's really hard not to say the Dodgers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they, it seems like they've been one piece away every season from actually winning it. Um, the Dodgers aren't a fun pick, but I do think the Dodgers are the best team in the NL. So I'll stick yeah. with that. I'll stick with Dodgers, Yanks. While I'm going with the Dodgers as well, you could get the Braves in there, really any of these teams, Brewers, Cardinals, yeah. <laughs> Diamondbacks. No, yeah, I mean, it wouldn't be surprising, really, for some of these teams to make a run. Yeah. Um, I just think you add a Mookie Betts to what was already, you know, I mean, we all know what the Dodgers have been the past couple seasons. It's yeah. hard to kind of disrespect that. Yeah. So I will go my World Series champion, the Dodgers, over the Yankees. I think it's the Dodgers' year. They finally get the monkey off their back. They finally win one. And I'm going to roll with the Yanks. I think the Yanks win the World Series. Top to bottom, I like their lineup as much as any in the league. And the one thing they've kind of been missing, in my opinion, the last couple postseasons has been that number one guy, and Garrett Cole can be that. Yeah, obviously, I do think if a team such as the Orioles, were to go on some crazy run and get to the World Series, it definitely would taint the season in my eyes to some degree. (laughs) But at the same time, I'm just thinking about whoever wins this World Series, while yes, it's a different season, and yes, hopefully we never have something like this again, (laughs) um, it's going to be fun. And whoever wins a world series for their city, like let's just let them be happy and let's not tell those fans like, Oh, you didn't deserve to win it because look, people need something to be happy about right now. People need to be, have some excitement and there's no reason for us to uh, stain someone's happiness with negativity. Jack, you don't even understand how excited I am for this season. <laughs> yeah, <on laughs> and you know what we get to do on Thursday night, Jack, we get to watch Gabe Kapler manage his first game in a giant's <laughs> uniform. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, take take a listen back to that NL West preview and hear us t- discuss uh, this swift transition from it, Bruce Bochy to Gabe Kapler. How did the Giants get handed the opening night game? That makes <laughs> no sense to me. Not one bit, but I mean, baseball here, I will be watching. I Am I going to have to listen to A-Rod on that game too? Uh, my, you might, depending on which one he's on. <laughs> Gabe Kapler, he, he's a really great manager. <laughs> oh i can't wait for thursday night actually more importantly friday afternoon but still thursday night as well oh man so much to be positive about so much to be thankful for jordan thank you so much for your time today i'm sure you will join me sometime soon week two weeks sometime very soon and we can break down our first week or two of baseball take a look over at what's going on in the nba And, uh, yeah, I guarantee there's going to be a lot more uh, content coming out from this podcast over the next month than there have been over the last (laughs) few months when I was uh, building that website. No doubt about it. Jack, thanks for having me as always. Anything you want to throw out there? uh, Anything you'd like to plug? Social media handles? Are you still banned from Twitter? 
<laughs> I'm still banned from Twitter, so I don't really have anything to shout out here. So let's just hope the Phillies have a good season, All Jack. Right. Keep my sanity in place. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jordan. Hey, thanks for having me, Jack. Ladies and gentlemen, Jordan Morandini was a lot of fun, as always, speaking with him. I urge you all to subscribe to this podcast if you have not done so before. There's a lot of great content coming out soon. Log on to jackvita.com for some additional columns. I just wrote a column about Survivor. Season 41 will not be happening this fall. It will not be filmed this summer. It will not be airing again in 2020. What does that mean for this long-running series that's been on for 20 years now. What's the future of that show? I'll have plenty of MLB stuff coming out this week. It's baseball week on jackvita.com as it is everywhere else in the world. I hope everyone is as excited for opening day as I am. It should be a lot of fun. Next week, I will speak with Sam Quiet. He returns to the podcast. We will preview the return of hockey And Parker Gatewood, another staple of the Jack Vita show, will join me to discuss NBA. We'll preview the NBA's return. Rachel Gerhart will join me to talk some reality TV and the cancellation of some shows and what 2020 might look like for the remainder of the year in terms of reality TV. You will not want to miss any of that. Follow me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. For Twitter and Instagram, it's at Jack Vita Show. Facebook.com slash Jack Vita Show. Other than that, I think we are uh, I think we're finished for now. Unless you want to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes, that would do a lot of good for the podcast. But I look forward to speaking with you all soon. Keep staying positive, everyone. Keep trusting God. We will get through everything right now. Do not allow stress and anxiety to overtake you. Just continue to trust God and stay positive and to rest on his word and everything that he says. Until next time, everyone, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dancing lobsters. <laughs> <laughs>